God is good. So we're going to continue to talk about building the house uh, leading up to Vision uh, leading up to Vision Sunday. This is a semester I would have done last week originally. So we're talking about building the house and about the house of, house of God and uh, the church is the house of God, amen? You know, God wants the house of God to reflect you know, who he is, amen? We talked about it in a practical sense. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever done up a house or just decorated your house or whatever the whatever your circumstances may be, because um, you just want your house to look a bit nicer, don't you? And when we first moved into our house, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was like full of dodgy electrics and had horrible old carpets, and it was a right old, the right old state in lots of, lots of different ways, but it was cheap, so that helped. Anyway, um, but we had to do a lot of work to kind of make it, make it nice, because um, you just have a desire to improve your living space, and of course it's all money dependent, isn't it, often these things, but, but who, want, who doesn't want to make their living space a nicer environment, right? Um, to make it nice for your kids and nice for your as a husband and make it nice for your wife, etc., <laughs> etc. Et and you know, but when it comes to the house of God, God also wants the house of God to reflect who He is. He wants it to be a beautiful, a beautiful place. Amen. And, and as a people of God, you know, we are the church. When I say the house, I don't mean a building. You know, here we are meeting a school, right? But we're not talking about the uh, a physical building. You know, even if you're meeting in a church building, that still isn't really church. Sometimes the terminology gets confused, doesn't it? Because in in England, we often call buildings churches, don't we? And and I understand why. But the reality is, we are actually the church, aren't we? We as people are the church, and we always need to understand that. And of course, physical buildings are very useful, but technically they're not the church. The church is people. Um, they're, they're just gathering places. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5, says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood. This is us. And we're like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we're, so we're living stones that make up the house of God. He wants his house to be a beautiful place, an incredible place, an amazing place that, that looks how he wants it to look. Amen? You know, the church, the church is the bride of Christ. It's another description you know, of, of church. He wants it to be beautiful. He wants it to reflect who he is. If church is not reflecting who God is, then there's something that's going amiss. Am I right? You know, so many people in, in, in our world that, that they see, the way they see God is through the lens of church. And whether that's fair or not, that, that's the reality of that's how people see God. And, and, and that's their experience of God. And that's why church needs to reflect who he is. Amen? Church culture needs to reflect who God is and to be authentic and, and, and real and loving and you know, all those things uh, that are important. And God desires to build his house. Amen? And, you know, Wendy and I, we really feel we're in a time of building uh, building right now that God's doing something great across uh, the life of the church that God is, God is on the move. And God is doing some great stuff and it's great seeing new people again here this morning. Just God is doing amazing stuff uh, across the church and that's just... Yeah, praise God for that. It's amazing. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, the story from Nehemiah where the, where the walls uh, get rebuilt. And we'll kind of go back over all that again, but make sure you listen to it if you didn't hear it. But Nehemiah 4 verse 6 says, so Nehemiah says about how the people were together, they rebuilt the wall to all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So we talked about that and how, how they all work together all with one heart, with one, one vision, one, one purpose uh, to get the work done. And yeah, we've all got a calling on us to be, to be part, of the, part of the vision of the church, to be part of, the, uh, um, part of all the churches, part, churches doing. Now, we've all got a part to play. Amen? Amen. You know, the 
Paul, Apostle Paul doesn't he describes church as like one body and, and many parts. And like our physical body is it's got a lot of different parts parts to it, right? And they all kind of and to be healthy, they all need to function, right? Our body's incredibly complicated, isn't it? And the, the, the church body's a bit like that. It's quite complex, but we've all got a part to play. Amen. And if the church is going to be really healthy, then everyone has a part to play. Every part of it needs to be healthy. Amen. And so that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And Wendy last week talked about building a house of, of worship. But what I want to talk about this morning uh, and to talk a bit more about the walls being repaired in some other different contexts as well is to talk about provision for the repairing of the walls. I'm going to talk about provision this morning. And we all have a part to play in provision. So I'm actually going to talk a bit about uh, finance this morning. Now, if you're new to the if you're new to the church, then I don't want you to think, if, or you're visiting this morning, I don't want you to think that we talk about money every week because we really, really don't. <laughs> okay, okay, you just just pick that one. Okay, but it is a really important thing to talk about. Now, 15% of what Jesus spoke about was about was about uh, finance and possessions. Now, there is more there are more scriptures in the Bible about about money and possessions than there are about faith and about prayer combined. That's a reality. So we have to take this stuff seriously because sometimes we kind of think, well, yeah, but the, what, what, is, what relevance is that to me? No, the Bible says loads about it. Jesus, Jesus had loads to say about it, right? So we need to understand what, what, what does God think about all this stuff? What, where do we come? Uh, where do we have a part to play in all this? Amen? And you've gone very, very quiet. <laughs> but we have to talk about this stuff, right? Now, if the word of God doesn't change us, then, you know, what are we doing, right? The Word of God needs to get down into our hearts and to change us to make us more and more Christ-like. Amen. So I want to talk about his provision for, for building the house. Because again, that's what, in terms of serving, we, we all have an opportunity and, and a calling on us to all work with one heart to work together. You can get involved in, in different teams and, and all different ways you can get involved in church. But we all have a part to play in terms of provision for the house. Now, in, in terms of the repairing of the walls in Nehemiah, what actually happens here is God moves upon the, the, the heart of the king. In Nehemiah 2, verse 4 to 8, and he ends up being the, the, the main provider here. It says this, so Nehemiah says, The king said to me, what is it you want? It says, then I pray, this is Nehemiah 2, verse 4, Then I pray to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, that's just the name of that area, so they, may, so they provide me safe contact until I arrive in Judah. I may have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple. And for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. So, so in this case, um, more than anything, the provision of the work actually came through King Artaxerxes. What a great name, isn't it? Let's call him Arty for short. <laughs> but for King Artaxerxes, I should have said Arty, shouldn't I? King Artaxerxes. God, God moved upon his heart, this guy who wasn't even a, wasn't even a believer, didn't, didn't, didn't believe in God, but did recognize that there was something on Nehemiah. Um, moved upon his heart, so he actually found found you know favor with this with this person who wasn't even a believer, and and he provided for all of the work from the kind of their royal uh, the royal parks and the royal forests uh, etc to give them all the timber they all the wood they needed and everything they needed uh, to get the job done. And I'm going to look at two other two other examples kind of where we come in on all this. 
And this happens on several occasions uh, throughout the Old Testament. And about 500 years earlier, so 500 years prior to Nehemiah rebuilding the walls, is when there was the original building, building of the temple. And it says this, this is recorded in, in the book of Chronicles, in 1 Chronicles 29. It says this is when, this is when David, David was king, when the temple was being, being rebuilt, or that ends up being Solomon, his son, who actually, actually builds it, if you know the story. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task, the task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings and turquoise, stones of various colors and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all these in large quantities. Just David describing him, what he was doing himself. Besides my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give you my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I provide for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the building, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? So in terms of the building of the temple, God really moved upon King David's heart. And all these things, his, 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 his devotion, his devotion to see this to the temple built and to see the temple to be a reflection of, of who God was. And here, obviously, we're talking about a literal physical building, but to give of his own kind of treasury. God, God had blessed him uh, immensely and to give out of all that God had blessed him. You know, Psalm 69, verse 9. Psalm 69 is, is um, you know, one of David's psalms. And I love what it says. The New Living Translation says this, Passion for your house has consumed me. This this is is how God had got David's heart. His passion for God's house had totally consumed him. And I believe there's a lesson for us in this. When it comes to provision, whether in terms terms of us getting involved, being a house of worship, whatever context, is have such a passion for his house. Now, I know ultimately our passion is for God. That's absolutely right, yes. But to also have a passion for, for his bride. Have a passion for, have passion for church. A passion for, for church to look all how God wants it to look and all that he desires for it. To see ourselves as, 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 with the responsibility and the privilege of being fellow builders with Christ. It's ultimately Jesus who will build his church. As he said, I'll build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it, as he said to Peter. So ultimately, it's Jesus who's, who's the master builder, but we have the privilege of building alongside him. That's an amazing privilege, right? Because God could just do it anyway, right? God, God doesn't, and I mean this in the, in, the, in the greatest respect to ourselves, God doesn't need us. Everyone agree, right? God doesn't need us because God doesn't, by definition, God doesn't need anything. If God is needy in any sense, you know, then he, he's not who he claims to be. He, he, he's God Almighty. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't, he doesn't need us, but he chooses to work through us. What a great privilege that is. He chooses you and me uh, you know, to help get the job done. Amen. But passion for your house has consumed me. I believe that's, that's something that God wants us to get down deep into our hearts. Have such a deep passion for, for, his, for his house. Amen. To see it looking how he wants it to look. Amen. And able to do all that he wants it to do. And then it says about God. So God has already worked upon, worked upon David and upon David's heart coming out of this place of, of passion for his house passion for the house of God, and then he starts to work on the leaders and the people generally. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 6, so continuing uh, in this passage, it says, 
Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents. Talents was just a measure of uh, weighing, like gold and silver. 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. So we've seen about uh, God move upon a king, a, a king who didn't even uh, know God, who wasn't a believer, back King Artaxerxes, back in, in Nehemiah, and the rebuilding of the walls. And as we looked 500 years earlier at the building of the temple, how God moved upon King David, because he had such a passion for God's house, passion for his house that consumed him. We see here how, how God works upon the life of the leaders. But we all have a part to play in this. And we can look at another 500 years earlier again, we look at the building of the tabernacles. We're kind of like doing history, but in reverse. <laughs> Another 500 years earlier again, where the tabernacle gets built. And of course, at that time, Moses is the leader. The context is, of this is the miraculous escape they've had from Egypt and the journey that's happened to the, uh, that's, that's taken place as they go towards the promised land, which took a lot longer than it should have done, but that was because of their own disobedience. Um, but this is the journey to the, to the promised land as Moses was leader. And they built this kind of tabernacle, this kind of, it was like a, uh, um, how could you call it? It's almost like a temporary temple, isn't it? I mean, I've got time to kind of look at it and exactly what it looks like. We've got pictures um, because it's kind of like be a whole study in itself, okay? But it's like this, this huge kind of a tent and, and holy place that they would erect wherever, the, wherever they kind of stopped, wherever God was kind of calling them to stop at that stage. And they'd build like a temporary temple. And again, it needed tons and tons of provision. And this is how God uh, moved upon the people. So just let these things get down deep into your heart. So this is in Exodus 35, verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meetings, that's the tabernacle, for all its service and for all the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooch, uh, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, yarn or fine linen, or, or goat hair. And I've got any of these things? <laughs> Bring these next Sunday. And I've got any goat hair? No. <laughs> Ram skins dyed red or other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had a case you would for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. That's what the priests used to wear. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord, uh, through Moses, had commanded them to do. So here we see another example. So God had worked upon the hearts of the leaders, and then here God works upon the hearts of the people. Because this whole, this whole principle about passion for the house had totally consumed them. To see the tabernacle look how, how God wanted it to look. And if you know the context, you know that you can, you can read about this in, um, in Exodus. You know how, how God kind of had this whole kind of uh, list of what he wanted it to look like. Very kind of very specific, specific things. We see how God worked upon the heart of the people. All these, verse 29, all the Israelite men and women who were willing 
brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. So everyone gets stuck in, everyone, get, everyone gets involved, everyone has a passion for the house, and everyone's like, you know, we need to be part of providing for this. Amen? So these are all great examples of that, and this should stir our hearts. So what does this mean for all of us here as, as Family Church Waterside, kind of thinking, maybe thinking, well, that's all kind of a long time ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago, what's the relevance to today? As I believe we still all very much today, it's true that we all have very much have a part to play. And whether that's, whether that's getting involved, whether that's worship, or whether, that's, whether that's providing. This is kind of where the rubber hits the road. Okay? So you're all very, very quiet. But there we go. I hope God's speaking into, into your hearts. Because that's, that's what we need to do. That's what the word of God does. Amen? So God wants to build this house. Here, here is Family Church Waterside. God wants to see his house built. God wants to see it looking how he wants, it, how he wants it to look. Amen? God wants us to be able to do everything that we believe that he's, he's called us to do as a church. Everything he's called us to do in our community. We want, we want to be able to do it. Amen. Amen? But the reality is that is going to require provision. Okay? That, is going to, that is going to require all of us, all of us getting involved in that. Now, before I kind of say any of this stuff, it's important to talk about this stuff, to, to say what I'm going to say. Is I, I, you know, as a pastor, I, I do not do guilt trips. I'm going to just to say that, okay? I don't do guilt trips and I don't do, don't do manipulation. I think both of those things have, are not godly things, have nothing to do with the house of God, right? Don't do guilt trips, don't do manipulation. So I want you just to understand that before I say any of this stuff. Okay, we're not, there's no laying guilt trips on anybody. We're not trying to manipulate anybody. We're just talking about what does the Word of God say about His house, right? Amen. So take it in that. So take it in that in that context. Okay. You know, for this house to look like how He wants it to, to look like, it, it requires provision. You know, just us meeting here on a Sunday morning. There, there is a cost, and I've never really talked about this in a practical sense before, probably ever. I don't think. You know, just us meeting here on a Sunday morning. This costs a lot of money. Us to meet here every Sunday it costs a, a lot of money. We don't get it for free. You know, sometimes, and I've heard pastors in other family church congregations tell their congregation that, you know, who are hiring schools, and, and some people in the congregation thought they got the school for free because we're, chari- we're a charity. I mean, if we don't get this for free, we do get a discount because we're a community organization, how the school terms it. Okay, but it, but it costs money, right, to meet here every Sunday. Quite a significant amount of money. They're renting an office in, in Hythe and the different things that happen there and, and connect groups and worship practice and other things that happen, happen there. It, it costs money. We don't, we don't get it for free. You know, all all costs all costs money. All the things we want to do in in our community, and it costs money. All the things that we did did at Christmas, that big the big event that we did on the seventeenth of December. That was the right date, yeah. Seventeenth of December. You know, and it was brilliant. This place was just packed out, and one hundred and ninety-two people were here, and it was just a great event, just to, to celebrate Christmas and to show people what 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 Christmas is truly all about and what Jesus is all about, and to have loads of fun, kind of in the process as well. You know, it, t- it takes money. Right? Food takes money. We do teas and coffees and stuff for free. That, that takes money. Right? It doesn't just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> it takes money. Right? And all the different things that are involved in doing church and all the things you have to do as a charity and all the other things you have to have, like puppet liability insurance and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Sorry? Yes. Um, and all that kind of stuff you have to do as a church and then having a minibus and, and insuring the minibus and taxing the minibus and taking the youth down to, to, to Portsmouth in the minibus. It all takes money. Right? didn't just appear out of nowhere. It, oh, there, is, there is a cost to all these things. So I'm just kind of like being really real with you this morning. Probably, like I said, probably in a way we haven't really talked about this before. 
probably in the whole 13 years <laughs> that we've been pastors. But this all takes money. So I've just been real about it, just kind of just laying this out before you. Remember, we're not doing guilt trips, we're not doing manipulation. I'm just, just telling you the realities uh, of how things work, right? And for where we're heading, where we believe that we're heading, and where myself and Wendy believe that we're heading as a church, significantly more provision is going to be needed. I'm just being real, just, again, I'm just, just laying this out before you this morning, okay? For where we believe that God is heading for, in 2024, significantly more provision is going to be needed this year and in the, and in the years to come. So it all starts with us having a passion for the house. Just like King David, passion for his house will consume us. Amen? And, and the reality is provision is going to need to increase for God's house to look how he desires. I'm just, again, it's just going to be really real here because I think it's important. For our size of congregation, our tithes and offerings are probably not where they should be. I'm just going to, again, just be real with you here. Man, we're not doing guilt, we're not guilt trips, we're not doing manipulation, neither of those. Okay, I'm just telling you facts. Okay, for our size of congregation, tithes and offerings are probably not where they should be. In fact, a very, very significant amount of our tithes and offerings come from the leaders of the church. I'm just telling you again, just telling you facts. Okay, if it wasn't for the leaders of the church, and I don't just mean me and Wendy, I mean the, the leadership generally, the church wouldn't survive financially. That's a reality. You know, and I'm great the leaders have captured all this, but we all need to capture this. We all need to have a passion for, a house, for his house to consume us. For our size, the tithes and offers are probably not where they should be. And, when, and the reality is, here's another practical reality, we can't always do everything we want to do in our community because we just don't have the funds. And as a charity, we do get grants and other stuff as well. And as someone who works for Family Church, who gets grants for all the different congregations, and, it, and it's amazing at doing that. So we do get different grants and stuff as well, and that's great. But we're not always able to do everything we want to do because we just don't have the finances to do it. Okay? And I think, I think that's a shame. So I'm just laying this out before you today just to kind of, just to kind of have a think about this stuff and to, and to pray about this stuff. Talk to your spouse about it if you need to talk to your spouse about it. You know, as a, as a, as a pastor, as a, as just as a Christian, I believe in the power of tithing. I believe what Malachi 3 says, you know, about the storehouse, and the storehouse is a, is a church. Amen? I'm not going to go all through Malachi 3 this morning, but I do believe in the power, power of tithing. I do believe this is something that God wants us all to be involved in. Amen? Not, not just the leaders, not just, not just certain people. For us all to be involved in. Now, if, if, you, if you struggle in your finances, and maybe this is kind of like a, another subject in itself, but it's important to mention, if maybe just, just financial management is a real issue for you, you just struggle with that stuff, because some people don't find that easy at all, and I totally get that. You know, maybe that's why, why you can't give what you want to give, is because you, cause you, you kind of you know, uh, struggle with managing money, then we'd love to help you with that. Okay, and there's loads of help that we can do, and conversations we can have about that, and courses you can do, and all kinds of stuff to help you, uh, to help you in that. And that isn't necessarily even related to those on low income. Just, again, it's going to be really real here. Sometimes people, this is my experience in, in family church, sometimes people who have very high incomes are still terrible at managing money. I'm dead serious. I've, I've not, I, know, I know of people, they're not in this congregation, okay, but, I know of, but I know of people who have a very, very high, in, a very, very high income, but, but they really struggle to tithe. But it's because they, they spend it on, you know, goodness knows what. And are just not great at managing money. So it's not actually even related to income. So often we can think, well, yeah, but it's just I've got on a low income. I can't do anything about it. This, this kind of affects everybody, right? God wants us to manage money well, and that's kind of a whole other, like I said, a whole other subject 
in itself we'd love to help you with if you need if you need help on that there's loads of great resources even you know not necessarily even christian resources loads of great stuff out in the world about how to manage your money better right and get out of debt and all all that kind of stuff and prioritizing stuff in your finances etc okay but i believe we all need to have a passion for this house okay so this is kind of my challenge to you remember we're not doing manipulation not doing guilt trips but it's a challenge to you this morning to have a real passion for his house Amen? This is not just for some of us. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for the person sitting next to you. This is for all of us. To really grasp hold of this. That we all have a huge part to play in seeing things being provided before. Just like it was with the tabernacle and the temple and, and, and with the rebuilding of the walls. Amen? So I'm just going to be really practical again. I'm just going to talk about some different, uh, some different ways you can give. Because people may not necessarily know this. And again, we don't talk about this regularly at all. The vast majority of people in the church, this is a cross-family church, give by standing order. Probably about 90% of all income that comes in is probably by standing order. So standing order, if you didn't know, that's when you ask your bank, and you can do this through your online banking, or just go to your bank um, and ask them to send a certain amount of money um, each month. I think it is a great way of giving, because one, it helps you with your own budgeting, which hopefully is something that you are involved in, you have budgeting your own finances. And again, we'd love to help you with that if it's something you struggle with. And don't find easy. But also, it's a great way of putting God first in your finances. You know, for myself and Wendy, I'm not uh, showing off. I'm just saying, again, just practically what we do. You know, for us, it's the first thing that goes out. As soon as we get paid, the first thing that goes out is our tithe. It goes out before our mortgage. It goes out before any of our bills, utilities, anything. And all the stuff that we have to pay for. The first thing that goes out is our tithe. And, that's, and that makes it a priority. Amen? If you, have a, if you have an existing standing order, I'd encourage you to, uh, to review that if you haven't reviewed it for a long time. Because sometimes the only downside of standing orders is sometimes people will it'll be like the same for like 10 years. Like, oh, I've actually had a pay rise. <laughs> pay rises over the last 10 years. But then they just kind of forget to do anything about it because it just goes out automatically. So think about that as well if you need to review it. You can just give through your online banking. Um, the details always come up on screen each Sunday, but you can find it, you can find it on the website um, as well. Yes, that's next. Um, you can also give through the, the Family Church app. Put your hand up if you've got the Family Church app. Yes. So some of you haven't. So I'd really encourage you to get the Family Church app. If you're not sure how to even get that, then uh, come, and, come and speak to me. Well, there's, a, there's a kind of a whole load of info I can send you on a process to go through in order to get that. But it's well worth having that anyway because it tells you all that's going on uh, events-wise. But also you can give through that via a debit card or, or a credit card. You can also give through the website. Just go to family.church slash give. You can give with a card in that way. And, and on Sundays, um, we have the envelopes on your chairs where you can give by cash or check um, or by card um, on a Sunday. So we're just trying to make it as easy as possible for you um, to be able to be able to give. Amen. Praise God. And if you've got questions on any of those things, let me know. Also, just wanted to just again just be very practical. So, I just want to talk about gift aid. Put your hand if you've heard of gift aid. Yes, a few of you haven't. Okay. So, like all churches in the UK, we're, we're a charity. Um, so, because of that, we benefit from from gift aid. Gift aid is a real blessing. I know the government get bashed over the head sometimes, 
but this is actually a real blessing that the government do. Doesn't, America doesn't have any equivalent to this. Churches in America have no equivalent to this. Uh, in Australia, they have no equivalent to gift aid at all. They're not even charities in Australia, churches. So it's a very, very different, very, very different uh, way of doing things. But we really benefit from, from gift aid. So what gift aid is, 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 is for those who, who give towards a charity, this is true for all charities, not to churches, but for those who give towards churches, um, then if you're a taxpayer... Yeah, I'm sure lots of us are paying tax, but you're paying income tax or capital gains tax, it applies to as well. Then basically we can claim back that tax that you've paid on your donation. It doesn't cost you anything, literally nothing. There's sometimes confusion about this. Okay? And for a charity, a church, it's literally just free money. I mean, I can't really say it in any other context. It's just free money. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't commit you to anything. You don't have to give a certain amount each month. Okay? It doesn't commit you to anything. All you're saying is the tax that I paid on the donations that I give, I want my church to be able to claim, claim that tax back. So if you give £100, as an example, £100, and we can claim 25% back. So your, your, your donation will become £125, and you don't have to do anything other than give us permission to do it. We can't do it without your permission, even if we know you're a taxpayer. We have to have your permission to do it. So um, on the envelopes you find on your chairs on the left-hand side, there's a little bit about gift aid. If you've never ever filled in a gift aid form, you can fill it in on the envelope today uh, and put it, give it to one of the hosting team. Or we've got an online form as well, which you can find at the giving section of the website as well. But it's just basically just free money. Okay, so uh, if you don't gift aid, I'd really, really, really encourage you to do it because it's, it's just a real uh, blessing, uh, blessing uh, to us as a church and to all churches. Okay, I hope that will make sense. So come and see me again if you want more information on that. But I just encourage you just to be intentional about this stuff. I know we've gone very quiet because we're really British about these things. <laughs> it's like, talk about anything except for money. That's very American, talking about money. Okay. But, it, but the Bible talks loads about it, right? So we can't, we've got to be real about this stuff. And it's not being so British and cowardly sometimes about this stuff. Okay? We have to be real about it. So I'd encourage you to just be intentional with your tithing. Now, you may be in a place where you think, I couldn't possibly give a tenth of, a tenth of my income to the church. That, 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 that's ridiculous. Now, maybe that is your real, real position. God knows your heart anyway. Let's be real about this stuff. God knows your heart. But what I would encourage you to do is to be intentional about it. So if you can't do 10%, start with a lower percentage. If you've got something with 1%, start with 1% or half a percent. But be intentional about it. And I believe, God, that you can increase that over time. Because often, otherwise, what happens is it just becomes, it's almost, almost uh, uh, I almost see it, it's like, almost like tipping God. What I mean is a bucket will come round and you've kind of got, well, you've got 10, 10 you know what you do at a restaurant, you kind of think, oh, I've got five quid on me, that'll do. <laughs> or 10 pounds on me, that, that, that'll do. I'll give that to the restaurant, uh, to the person who's serving me. And sometimes it can almost be like tipping God. It's like, well, I've got the money in my wallet, I've got 10 quid in my wallet, that'll do, God can have that. And if I didn't have anything in my wallet, then, then I'll get that. And if I've got a few two peas in my wallet, God can have that. And I, I just don't think that's not being intentional, right? I don't believe that's putting God first in your finances. Right? We've got to be, let's be more real about this stuff. Right? If you can't do 10%, to start with a percentage, but be intentional about it. Amen? You've gone so deathly quiet. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Because I trust that's because God's speaking to you. Okay? If you've got any questions about any of this, uh, speak to me. Afterwards, remember, we're not doing guilt trips, we're not doing manipulation. Don't believe any of that stuff. It's rubbish. Okay? But we absolutely do need to talk about finance. Absolutely. Because the Bible talks loads and loads. More, remember, more in prayer and faith combined is about money and possessions in the Bible. 15% of what Jesus said was about money and possessions. That's how important Jesus saw it. Right? 
So be intentional with, our, with, our, with, with your giving. Because if we're going to go into all that God has for us as a church, it's going, to need, it's going to need more and more financial provision. Amen? If we're going to step out into all that God has for us, if we're going to step out and do more stuff in our community, it's going to need more financial provision. And we have a part to play in that. Amen? Praise God. And that's our passion for his house to consume us. Amen. Consume all of who we are. God, God, I love your house. God, I want to see your house look how you want it to look. I want our house to, to impact this community. I want every person in this house, Lord God, to, to encounter you and to be changed by you. For this place to be a, a place of life and, and, and healing where, where people encounter God, where people are set free and, and healed and delivered and, and find God and, and encounter God. In this world that's full of so much just rubbish and the stuff that just leads people astray where they can just find you. God, where, where people can encounter you, where people can have their lives and lives changed and changed forever. But that is going to take financial provision. And you and me, you, we all have a part to play in that. So if you need to have some conversations, homes, a conversation with your spouse, I encourage you to do that. And I know if, you're, if, you're, if your spouses aren't saved, I know these things could be, can be tricky. I get all that. So I say that with a pastoral heart because I, I get that's kind of unique, uh, unique circumstances. Sometimes you can't do what you want to, to do in a financial sense. I get, I get all that. Okay. But where you are able to speak to your spouses about it, have conversations about it, make, make some decisions, be intentional about it. Remember, if, if you find budgeting hard, if you, if you just struggle with managing money, if, if basically every single month... You're spending more than your income is. Come, come and chat to us. We'd love to help you with that. There's so many resources for that. We'd love to help you with budgeting. And, and God believes about being good stewards of our, of our own finances, being good stewards of the church's finances. Amen. But let's allow his passion for his house to consume every part of who we are. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that Lord, that you are our provider. Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, that all we have, Lord, whether it's our jobs, our, our homes, Lord, whether we own a home or rent a home or whatever our situations may be or live with parents still, Lord, everything, Lord, is, is a provision from you. Lord, we say thank you, Lord, for all your provision. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're so, we're so grateful for you, Lord, that all we have. Lord God, and we just choose to be a people, Lord, that, Lord, put you first in your finances. Lord, we, we choose to be intentional about giving and tithing. Lord God, we, Lord, and we all, Lord, desire to have a passion for your house. Lord, may that absolutely consume us, as, as King David said. Lord, may it consume us just like it did with King Artaxerxes, who wasn't even a believer, or, or with King David, or with, or with the leaders at that time, or with the, the people at that time, Lord, for the provision of the, the temple and the tabernacle. Lord God, may your passion for your house absolutely consume who we are. May it consume our thinking. May it, may it bring change in our lives. May it consume, Lord, what we do practically. Lord, we don't want to just kind of like, like give, give a tip, Lord God, or just give when we, when we feel we can, or just kind of, it's almost like to be an afterthought, Lord. We want to put you first in our finances, Lord. We want provision for your house to be a priority in our lives. I pray that will consume us. Lord, because we're passionate about seeing this house be everything that you desire it to be. Lord, for us to be able to reach who you want us to reach. For us to be able to do what you want us to do. For us to be able to grow in what you want us to grow in. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so amazing. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. I just want to just pray a second prayer as well. Just for anyone who's here this morning and, and you've never invited God into your life, I want to give you an opportunity now to, uh, to do that. The great news is you can do that right now. And maybe you've never, ever done this before, but, but right now you can know who God is. You can know what it is to be a Christian.
you can know what it is to have God in your life. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if that's you this morning, I just encourage you to pray this with all of your heart. And just invite God into your life right now. Let's all pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for me. Thank you for coming to earth. To die on a cross for me. So that I could be forgiven. I invite you now into my life. I ask you to make me new. To forgive me. I want to live for you. I want to know the promise of eternal life with you. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Whilst everyone's eyes are closed, if you've prayed that prayer, you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, and you're inviting God into your life this morning, then I just want I just encourage you just to raise your hand and say, Yeah, I've prayed that this morning. I'm not going to make you come down the front or anything else, but just just so we can chat with you and pray with you afterwards. Anyone this morning, don't miss your opportunity. Thank you, God. You're so good. Lord, you're amazing. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may we have such a passion for your house. May it consume us. May, may, it, may, it, may it change decisions that we make in life. Lord, may being in your house on a Sunday be such a priority for us. Lord, may Lord, providing, Lord, for your house be such a priority for us. Lord, being, Lord getting so involved in the worship and stirred in the worship, may that Lord, may work so much upon our, on our hearts and on our lives, Lord God. Lord, in, in terms of Lord, serving and getting involved, Lord, may we serve with, with all of our hearts because we're serving you. We're not serving people, Lord, we're serving you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Stir our hearts. Lord, make us more and more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.